Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. want to miss the will of God. I don't want to miss it. As, as, a, as a minister, as a preacher, some, sometimes we, we miss it. Paul said that I, I, I press towards the mark. He didn't say I always get it. I just press toward it. So I, I hope today that, that I've tapped in kind of to the Spirit and, and into what, what we need today. You got Exodus 36 and 35, would you say amen? It's on the board, you cheaters. <coughs> and he made a veil of blue, everybody say blue. And purple and scarlet and fine twine linen with cherubims made he it of cunning work. And he made there in two four pillars of shittim wood and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold and he cast for them four sockets of silver and he made a hanging for the tabernacle door of blue everyone say blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of needlework five pillars of it with their hooks he overlaid their chapters their fillets with gold but their five sockets were of brass I don't want you to turn there but Exodus 26 and 31 just to reiterate says and thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet Fine twine linen of cunning work with cherubim shall it be made. I like to preach to you if I can. It's 1054, is that correct? I'm on Eastern time on this, so I'm an hour ahead of you. It means I'm one hour closer to lunch. So I won't hold I will not hold you long, sister. I know I've already got instructions, and she said, Could you cut it short? Right, right? That's what she said. Could you be a little short-winded today? I'll try my best. Every minute that I talk, my wife gets more anxious to leave. I like to, to preach to you if I can, just for a little while on this subject. I can see the blue again. I can see the blue again. I want you to put your Bibles down. I want you to lift your hands. And I want us to pray that an overwhelming spirit of the mercy and the grace of God would flood into this house. God, right now, let your mercy, let your grace flood into this house. Take away every fear, every reservation. Take away every hindrance, God. Remove every obstacle from our eyes, God, so that we can see the blue, so that we can see your presence. Take away every hindrance, God, so that we can come boldly before your throne, so that we can experience the grace, the mercy, the power of an almighty God that's able to do all things. God, we need you to move. We need you to speak. We need you to do a work in this house. We need you. We need you. We need you. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. You are worthy. Help us to see the blue again. Touch my mind and my heart. Let my words be acceptable to you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and everyone said amen, and you may be seated. Thank you. 
can assure you that I'm not going to let my wife off the hook that easy. For she will be singing tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's another joy. If you can't have fun in the house of God, where can you have fun at? I preached in a church one time. I won't tell you where it is because you've never been there. <laughs> on, the, on the pulpit right here. You know, I've seen some pretty good sayings there before. And he seen, you know, sir, we would see Jesus. I'm like, yeah, man, that makes me excited. to pre I want to preach Jesus. And I've, but this one said, absolutely, no joking or jesting. And I said, I need to go. right now I'm going to leave right now is that what you used to say did you say it? you took it off okay I missed <laughs> we, are, we are so happy to be here thank you for inviting us to your Christmas dinner during Thanksgiving we got to eat like what three three different Thanksgiving dinners I was pretty so I'm hoping to break that record for Christmas four Christmas dinners I'm going to get as many in as I can there are some perks to evangelizing. You just schedule your places right around Christmas parties. So you're, that's what I, when's your Christmas party? I'll be there. That's, it, there's a building, building program to end all building programs. In, in the Bible, there are over 800 references and hundreds of scriptures concerning the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness. The in-depth detail to this tabernacle, God had instructed Moses to build. And God said, I want you to build a place where I can dwell with you. If you notice in the Scripture, it was not man's idea to dwell with God, but it was God's idea to dwell with man. It was God that said... Build this temple for I want to dwell with you. So he gives Moses the plans for the building and the articles and the instruments of sacrifice. And he gives him all of the plans on how to build it. You can look in the Old Testament and there are scripture after scripture. And the detail is very exact. For God said, if I am going to dwell with you, then you must make a place for me that is suitable. I've got to have a place to dwell where I can feel comfortable. You must understand to day that the purpose for our worship and the purpose for our singing and our praying is not for us but it's so that we can make a place where God can feel comfortable where where he could come down and dwell with us and after the plans were given it was months and months maybe years of preparation but once they had finished the building of the tabernacle, the Bible tells us that they begin to sanctify themselves and to sanctify the ornaments and the articles in the tabernacle. They begin to put the anointing oil on every piece and they begin to put the blood on the corners. And, and it was a very extensive ritual that they went 
to. You see this tabernacle, this hidden place that started in the outer court with an altar. And the largest piece of furniture, they say, was an altar. There's something to be said about it. If God said the largest area that I want you to make is an altar, the biggest place that you need. I want to tell you the greatest area of your life that you need to build is an altar. You need to have an altar. Before you have candlesticks, you should build you an altar. The people would bring their sacrifices into the court. And they would begin to shed the blood and burn the sacrifice on the altar. They would take the blood through the different areas of the temple. And I'll spare you the detail. But they would begin to minister before the Lord. And the last place, they would go through a veil. And they would see the, the candlestick and the, and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. But there was another veil there that covered an area. And the last place, the very sacred place, the last area that they would go to was called the Holies of Holies. It was the most holy place. It was considered extremely holy and sacred to the people of God. In one occasion, Aaron and his sons decided, we're just going to go stroll around and just look around in this place and, and we're just going to check it out because we feel like we're, we can do that. And God said, Moses, you tell Aaron that I better not see his carcass in here again without coming in where he needs to be or it will be a carcass. Just, it was very holy, and, and inside of this place, behind that veil, was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark with its two-winged cherubims on top of the mercy seat. And with the Ten Commandments safely resting inside, it was the center point of their worship. This was the place where God said, I will dwell between the cherubims. My presence will dwell upon the mercy seat between the cherubims upon the ark. But understand this place was not accessible to just anyone. In fact, it was a place only visited once a year by one man. And they would cover this place and they would hide it behind a thick veil. Nobody could be in there. Nobody could see it. It was hidden. And this veil that we have just read about was a veil of blue and of purple and of scarlet. This was the very veil that covered that most holy place. Nobody could get in there without going through that veil. And nobody could go through that veil without going through the rituals and the temple uh, plan. And before you could ever see the ark, before you would ever see those cherubims, and before you would ever see that mercy seat, you had to come through the veil. Had to come through it. I want you to notice with me. Pastor McGee said I could teach today. So for five minutes, I'll try that. The Bible says, I'm just going to read through some things. I want you to notice the reading. And thou shalt make loops, Exodus 26 and 4. Thou shalt make loops of blue upon the edge of the curtain. And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet. And thou shalt make a hanging for the door of the tent of blue and of purple and scarlet. And for the gate of the court shall be a hanging of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet. And they shall make an ephod of gold of blue and of purple and of scarlet. And the curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it shall be of the same according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, of purple, and scarlet. Notice with me, gold is not a color. Gold is referring to gold. So everywhere you find the gold, they have mixed it with the blue. Everywhere you find the gold, you will find the blue. 
Everywhere you find the blue, you will find gold because it seems to me that they have intertwined themselves. Notice the Bible says in Exodus 28 and 28, and they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof onto the rings of the ephod with the lace of blue. So it was a lace of blue that held the breastplate on to the priest. Thou shalt make a robe of the ephod all of blue. And beneath upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and scarlet. If you notice, before any other color was mentioned, the first to be said was blue. The first to be preeminent was blue. Before the scarlet was the blue. Before the purple was the blue. Mixed with the gold was the blue. There's something significant about the blue. You must understand that blue will catch the eye, but it will not dazzle. See, blue's a very attractive color. I, I like this time of year because there's a lot of scarlet and there's a lot of gold. But if you notice, you just see the blue. It, it, it contrasts itself. You just see the blue. See, I, I could walk in here, brother, with the blue shirt on and people are going to say, man, that's a nice blue shirt. It catches your eye, but, but if I walked in here, sister, with, with, with it's just all gold on, see, I, I'm going to catch your eye. I'm going to dazzle. My goodness, what is going on? I used to have this kind of goldish-looking suit. You remember that thing? And I, I don't know why, Value City Special. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. And I looked like broke T.D. Jakes. I had this gold suit on. I didn't know what to wear with it. And I found out blue was much more appealing. <laughs> blue was much better. You walk in with all gold on and people, whoa. But the, but the blue, it's going to catch your eye. But it's not going to push you away. See, blue is a heavenly color. It is so closely related to the gold in the temple. The tatches of gold were inserted into the loops of blue, connecting together the curtains of the tabernacle. The laces of blue passed through the rings of gold, fastening the breastplate to the ephod. And the lace of blue bound the gold plate of the miter to the priest's head. It appears to me that everything that was in the temple that was gold, the only way it could be fastened to a man was through blue. Uh, uh. All the golden vessels of the sanctuary, they say, with the exception of the ark, were covered with a cloth of blue. See, so if gold represents the majesty and the eternity of God, if gold represents the, the, the awe and the majesty and the, and the perfection of God, then it must be true that the blue would have to represent the grace of God. That blue would have to represent the love of God because the only way that you can get that gold applied or attached to you is through the grace of God. You see, you got to wrap it around there. And it's grace that holds God very close to you and it's mercy that keeps that gold close to your spirit. 
You see, it's the blue that manifests the character or the mercy of God. It's the blue that is interwoven with the gold that, that holds the gold onto the man, that holds the golden breastplate. You need to understand today that the majesty of God, it is beyond our comprehension. The gold is beyond our imagination. It's the glory of God that is just infallible, and I cannot understand it. The Bible tells us, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness. I, I, I see the gold, but I can't comprehend it. I see the gold, but I can't quite understand it. Oh, Lord, thine is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. And thy kingdom, O oh Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come to thee, and thou reignest over everything. And in thy hand is power and might. In thy hand it is to make great and to give strength. Understand with me, that's the gold. There is an element of God that I cannot understand. It's perfect in all of its way. That voice is powerful. Oh, Lord, it's full of majesty. There is a majesty of God that I don't understand. I... The Bible says his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I don't know about you today, but I serve a great God. I serve a powerful God. I serve an all-knowing God. I serve a God that knows every star by name. He holds the universe in his hand. The heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. I need to talk to you for a minute about the gold. I need to talk to you about the gold for a minute because the gold is greater than all of our problems. His power is greater than all of our hang-ups. That's the gold. That's the majesty. I don't know about you, but I want to see the gold. I want to see the majesty of God. I want you to lift your hands all over this building, and I want you to get it in your spirit. I need to see the gold. I need to see the majesty of God. I need to see that, God. Come on, right now, I feel something stirring in the Holy Ghost. Lord, I need to see the gold. Right now, I'm in some situations that I don't know if I can handle. I need to see the majesty. I need to see the power. I need you to show up, God. I need you to help me. God, this is out of my hands. This is something I cannot take care of. I need to see the gold. I need to see your power. I need to see your majesty in my life. The Apostle Paul, he said, I sought the Lord three times because I needed to see his power. I sought him. My Lord, I feel God speaking right now. I sought the Lord over and over because I needed him to show up in my life and to do something. I sought the Lord because there was a thorn in my flesh and I needed to see the gold. I needed to see the majesty. I needed his hand to work in my life. I needed his help. He said, I kept praying about it. I kept seeking about it. I kept wondering about it. And the Lord said, Paul, wait just one minute. Sometimes you don't need the gold. You need to see the blue. For my grace is sufficient for you. Holy Ghost right now. I know you've been worried about it, but why don't you just look at the blue for his grace is sufficient. His grace will help you in time of need when you can't reach the gold. Why don't you just go for the blue today?
before you will ever see the majesty, before you will ever get into that ark room, before you will ever see the splendor, you will come face to face with an attribute of God that is unexplainable to me. I cannot understand it. But all around me, before me and behind me, everywhere I look, all I see is the blue. Before I ever get into his presence, I'm going to see the blue. If I look at that showbread, I'm going to see the blue cloth. If I try to go to the candle stick. I'm going to see that blue cloth. If I try to get to the altar of incense, there's the blue. You need to hear me. It is the express mercy of God. When I look into his word, it's there. When I feel his spirit, it's there. I feel the mercy of God. When I kneel in an altar, the mercy is there. All I see is the grace of God. You need to understand me. When you fall, the blue's still there. When you fail, it's still there. When you cannot reach the majesty of God, just get a hold of the blue. The blue is the mercy of God. And it walks hand in hand with the majesty of God. You cannot separate the blue from the gold. The Bible tells us that God is love. It's in his nature. He affirms the blue to his very nature and who he is. He cannot separate himself from love and from mercy. It's not of this earth, understand me. It's not a man thing. It's a heavenly thing. For as the blue vault of heaven, when we look at the sky with its vast dimensions, it defies our measurements. I cannot measure the sky. I cannot understand it with my mind. And such is the grace of God. I cannot understand the breadth and the height and the depth and the length of his love. But the Bible says that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God I can't understand it I'm going to talk to you for a minute I can't understand it I can't measure it the love of God and the mercy of Jesus it passes my understanding I don't get it even when I can't love myself, it's there. Even when I can't forgive myself for some mistakes I made, God can still forgive me. Even when I cannot get over the hump, God says, I'll help you over. Even when I'm stuck in the mire, in the muck, and I don't know which way to go, God says, my mercy will help you. When I can... I can't look up and I can't measure the blue sky. I can't do it. It's impossible for me. And it's also impossible to measure the love and the mercy of God. I don't know why he loves me. I don't know how he does it. And you might question today how God could love me after where I've been. I want you to lift your hands right now all over this building. There is a sweet presence of the mercy of God right now. God, I don't know how you can love me on a Sunday morning after you know what I've been through Friday and Saturday. I don't know how you can give me mercy on a Sunday when you know where I've been, God. But your love is amazing to me. The blue is there where. the blues there wherever you look a 
mercy, Lord, it's in the heaven. Thy faithfulness that reaches to the clouds. I see the blue everywhere. I see the blue everywhere. You see, I, I've been there before. I, I've been in the place in my life where I messed up. Holy Ghost is talking to somebody today. I've been to the place where I knew I made a mistake. I knew I'd failed again. I knew I wasn't where I needed to be. I knew I wasn't doing what I needed to do. I need a witness today. Anybody ever been there before? See, I need a little help because I'm not preaching to the self-righteous. I'm not preaching to the perfect today. You see, if you've never messed up, and my Lord, you ought to just pack up, go home, and stay tucked away in your bubble because you're going to get around all of us infected people. You ain't ever, I'm not preaching to the Pharisee today. You see, the Pharisee couldn't see the blue unless they were wearing it. The Bible tells me that they would have ribbons of blue. And the ribbons of blue were to remind them of the mercy of God. But see, the Pharisees, they would tie extra long ribbons of blue so everyone could see that they had more mercy than anybody else. God loves me more. He's given me a little mercy. But you see, there was a veil in that temple that was blue for everybody. See, and there's this, there, the thing is, there's this pharisaical spirit that's coming to the church and it's pushed its way in and it says there's no room for you if you're not like me. There, there's no room for you if you don't live how I live. Look at all the blue. There's no room if you're a sinner. But you see, I wish that we could get that, that spirit out of the church and we could begin to see the blue again and notice that we weren't always saved. We weren't always in the church. We weren't always living right. My God, you need to see that you weren't always where you should have been in God. But one day, that blue caught your eye and you said, I've got to get to it. I've got to get to it. Hear me. Hear me. Sometimes we must get our eyes off the purple and the scarlet and see the blue. You see, I, I've been there. I've been on that side of the tracks where I've seen those dark clouds rolling in and I knew that God wasn't too happy with where I was. I've been there where I knew that judgment was on its way. God, I haven't prayed like I should have been. I, I haven't done what I should have done. I haven't been serving you like I should have. And those dark clouds begin to roll in. And you know that God's ready to take the belt off. And that once blue sky now is just a little bit darker. Covered over with clouds. His wrath and his holy indignation against sin was on its way. Because sin demands justice. See, what I found is this storm began to roll into my life and rain began to fall. And I thought, my Lord God, I don't understand. I'm being punished. I'm being punished. But I found when it was all finished, sister, that that, that, that rain just washed away things that shouldn't have been there. That rain began to wash some things out of my life that I knew shouldn't have been there. And it started purging some things that are in my life that I, I knew 
be there. Some of you are in a purging place right now. I want you to hear me for a minute. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to be real still and I want you to hear me because some of you are in a purging and you're wondering, why is this happening, God? What's going on? And God said, I'm just letting it rain a little to get some things out. I'm purging some things. I'm trying to pull some things out of your life. Hear me, don't give up in the middle of your storm because pretty soon those clouds are going to roll back and you'll see the blue again. Lift your voice right now. God's ministering in this place. I know, I know, I know the rain's there. I know that we, we're just, God, I've been so busy. I've been so tired. I don't know where I'm at. That's all right. The rain's come just to wash some things out. It's going to get better. You're going to see the blue again. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't let the storm cause you to be discouraged. Just hold on just a little bit longer. For his anger endureth but for a moment. And then those clouds will roll back and we'll see the blue again the blue again. Don't give up. Don't let go. Mercy's on its way. Let the Holy Ghost minister right now. God, I just need your mercy on a Sunday morning. Saturday wasn't the greatest. Friday was a bad night. Thursday, I don't know what I was thinking, but God, on a Sunday, I need your mercy. I need to see the blue again. Holy Ghost, speak to us today. I feel God speaking to people so strong right now. There's a knock on hearts. You were going to give up. You were going to throw it in. But God said, wait, wait, wait. The clouds are rolling. You'll see the blue again. You'll see my mercy. I'm showing up. Luke. Luke tells us of a woman who was a sinner. She was despised. She was shunned by her neighbors. The Bible tells us on a certain day that she broke through every restraint to welcome Christ. She had heard that he was eating in a certain Pharisee's house. You see, she noticed she felt that God had very indeed come down to visit fallen man, but... Unlike Mount Sinai, there were no thunders and there was no fearful voice. There was no stern rebuke. There was no trumpet sound of judgment when he came. He simply came with one errand, and that was mercy. He simply showed up with one thing in mind. He wanted to show the depths of his heart. And this woman, she felt like she had a claim above everybody else on his compassion because she knew she was guilty. Sometimes the first step in coming to God is to understand that we're guilty. She knew she was unfit. She knew she was unworthy. She knew she was not good enough. But she also knew that that was the very reason he came. She could feel that drawing in her soul. She hated herself for the sin she had done, but she knew that her only plea, the only thing she had to give was that very sin. That's all I've got to give is my mistakes and my failures. That's all I've got to get. She didn't care what anyone said. She didn't care how they looked at her. She had to get to Jesus. I, I need you to hear me. And this woman, she broke through the crowd with tears streaming down her face. And she pours that alabaster box of ointment on his feet. It was all that she had. It was all that she knew. And she begins to pour her tears out onto this man.
I begin to ask myself, what was it that caused her to break through? What was it that pulled her through all the hate, through all the people that looked at her, through all of the self-righteous people that said, I know you're a sinner? What was it that caused her to push through the crowd around her? How did she get over that fear? How did she get over and not turn back? I don't know about you, but every once in a while in church, I'm a little bit fearful when I know I need to get to the altar because I'm afraid of what people are going to say. I'm afraid of how they'll look at me. But this woman, she couldn't even see the evil looks. She couldn't see the Pharisees looking down on her. For in that one moment in her life, all she could see was the blue. Drawing her into the throne of grace. All she could see was the blue. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you, what you say about me. I've got to get there. I want you to stand with me all over this house. I know right now that some of you don't need it. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to, I know some of you, I don't need that today. I'm doing just fine. But there's tomorrow. I wonder today, I wonder today, I wonder today if there's anyone that could look past all their failures and look past all your brokenness and, and look beyond, look beyond the, the looks of guilt, and the voices of shame, and just come to the blue. There's mercy for you right now. I, I want us to begin to pray in the Spirit right now. There's some of you that shame and guilt Service after service has caused you to stay in your seat. It's caused you to say, I'm just not good enough. It's caused you to say, I just don't know what I can do. But I'm telling you that the blue is drawing. You see it. You see it. Just come. Don't turn away. I beg you this morning. I beg you don't turn away from the mercy of God. It's drawing you. Don't stay in your seat when you feel the mercy drawing you. Come. There's a place for mercy right behind the blue. Please look at the blue again. If you have nothing more to offer this morning than tears of repentance, just come to the blue. God, I've tried so hard to get in your presence. I've prayed. I've, I've tried to get there. I don't know what else to do. Just come weeping to the blue I can't get to the ark God I can't get into your presence I prayed and I prayed but I can't feel you come to the blue all you might have is an alabaster box of hurts and pains why don't you break those open and bring them to the blue see he begins to play right now I'm inviting everybody that would thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.